In our scripture today, we have two of the most incredible readings in all of scripture. First, we have the important prophecy, perhaps the most important prophecy of the Old Testament in 2 Samuel 7 for our first reading. And then our gospel is the Annunciation and Mary's fiat. The prophecy in 2 Samuel 7 is the covenant that God makes with David, a list of promises that Psalm 89 confirms with a rare divine oath. Very few places does God ever swear to bring something about by a divine oath, but this covenant with David is one of them. And the Annunciation is the beginning of the union of divinity with human nature in the only sinless human person to ever exist in Mary. What is even more remarkable is the connection between these two readings. The Old Testament provides the promises and the gospel provides the fulfillment. There are a few key promises to the Davidic covenant. First, the Lord will establish a house or a dynasty for David and will raise up an heir of David where God will be a father to him and he shall be a son to God. His house and kingdom shall endure forever, and his throne shall stand firm forever. Those are the three key promises tied to this offspring of David. Over the course of the angel Gabriel's proclamation to Mary, Jesus is declared son of the Most High, who will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So we have a confirmation of these three promises, the Son, the Throne, and the Kingdom that endure forever. His Sonship, of course, is confirmed through the virginal conception and perpetual virginity of Mary. Jesus has no biological earthly father, only the Father in heaven. But what about the fulfillment of the never-ending throne and never-ending kingdom? We see this fulfillment in the book of Acts, which is also written by Luke when Stephen has a vision at the end towards his own martyrdom. Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Standing there, of course, the same word for resurrection. To stand again or standing has ties to the risen Lord, ascending his throne in heaven and reigning with the Father. Mary showed tremendous hope at the moment of the Annunciation when Gabriel appeared to her. If you remember, for about 600 years, the people of Israel were wondering what happened to God's promises to David. There was no Davidic king on the throne Even at the time of Mary, it was Herod who wasn't even fully a Jew. And the kingdom had ended. It was crushed by Babylon in 587 BC. Mary must have been conscious of her own obscurity in the small town of Nazareth. How could she imagine what the angel was telling her to be true? That her son would have a meteoric rise and would sit on the throne of David forever when the throne and the kingdom had been cast down so many centuries before. But Mary knew scripture. She knew that it was the angel Gabriel who appeared to Daniel 
and prophesied the oracle of the 70 weeks of years, or 490 years, to the coming of the Son of Man, which happened almost exactly 500 years before. The archangel Gabriel served as a perfect bookend to this prophecy. His only two appearances in Scripture announce the coming of the time of the Davidic heir and the fulfillment of that time when the son of David was born. Mary knew that the words, the Lord is with you, she knew what they meant. These same words were used by Nathan the prophet to David in the first reading, the Lord is with you. These same words were used for Joshua when he conquered the nations in the promised land. They were used for the faithful women Ruth and Judith who prefigured Mary and expressed their hope. They are given to Jeremiah the prophet to strengthen him to speak against the entire house of Israel. Mary knew what the words, the Lord be with you, meant. Extreme suffering and adversity and a call to hope in the Lord. Part of the divine pedagogy in the Old Testament was to lead Israel to hope in the Lord, to move their minds from an earthly kingdom and attune their minds to heavenly realities. Today, we are invited to make the same shift, to move from earthly to spiritual realities. Many of us have experienced many difficulties in the past year. Loss of much human interaction, not being able to be at work or at school. Many have had feelings of sadness or depression or loneliness. Some have experienced anger. Now as we approach the Christmas season, there are added family interactions, whether it be the sadness of family members who have fallen away from the faith or the difficulty of not being in close contact with loved ones we're so used to seeing in the holidays. But the words of Scripture are very clear, what we are called to do as Christians. First Peter tells us, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. So now we turn to this virtue, hope. Did you notice that the same words, the Lord is with you, are actually given to us also? The words that Mary knew meant trial and suffering, but also led her to trust in God's promise. We are given Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Lord is with you. This is a call to us to have hope and trust in God's promise, like all the prophets and figures before us, from David down through Mary. Is it any wonder that Christmas appears at this time of year, when on December 21st we experience the astrological winter solstice, the darkest day of the year with the least amount of light? It is just after light begins its steady march, increasing the days again that we celebrate Christmas. From this day forward, December 21st, our hope grows in our Savior, much like the light of the sun gradually and relentlessly conquers the day once again. The Lord is with you. It is when the world is darkest that the Lord 
works at his best. It is these words that give us the strength to once again profess our faith and allow us to give the account of the hope that drives us onward. We know that in this life we are to suffer, but it is so that we may see the eternal light in heaven. To our friends and relatives who have fallen away, we give an account of hope by living joyfully. We show this not by being attached to the darkness in the world, but rather our confidence that Christ is reigning in heaven and our hope that we will one day be there with him. We give witness to this hope when we speak of the prophets and the promises of Second Samuel 7 that Jesus so perfectly fulfilled. We tell of the wondrous announcement of Gabriel, who nearly 500 years before Christ foretold that it would be 70 weeks of years, 490 to be exact, before the coming of Christ. And indeed he came. We have hope because even now, especially now, we have the God who appeared in our midst 2,000 years ago and continues to be in our midst in the Eucharist even to this day. While we know that in this life we have suffering, like Mary, we hope in the promise. We hold in our hearts the truth that the Lord is with you and he will not come away. With hearts full of hope, we long for the coming of Christ once again when in the darkest hours of the year, the light once again burns brightly.